0: And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. We're going to go on into our study now, dealing with Romans chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 1 verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. By the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you're also uh, the called of Jesus Christ. Uh, last week, we looked at the subject of grace, and most understand grace Um in this vein of where God sent his son into the world to die for mankind we call that umbrella grace anybody no matter how sinful they are no matter how evil wicked ungodly makes no difference what they've done anybody in the world can accept Jesus Christ as their savior and be forgiven of their sins and stand before God justified, just as if they had never sinned. Stand before God righteous and holy, all because of what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. That's grace, unmerited favor. You don't do anything to earn it. You just accept it by faith. And that's what most people understand grace as being unmerited favor. We understand Uh, Grace, as it pertains to salvation. But as it pertains to sanctification, the part that grace plays within our hearts and lives after salvation, uh, a lot of people don't understand. They've, They've got a misconception of what grace is. Haven, if you will, pull it up once again. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. Ephesians 3 and verse 7. Grace is also the divine effectual working power within. Paul said in Ephesians 3 and verse 7, Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his Power. I want you to notice that. The effectual working of His power. It's that divine effectual working power of the Holy Spirit that comes within our hearts and lives at the moment of salvation. And it was that gift of grace. Um, That gift of God that made Paul a minister of the gospel actually made him an apostle who wrote over half of the New Testament. The Greek word for grace is charis, that is C-H-A-R-I-S, charis, and it means a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. The more we develop our relationship with Christ, the more the Holy Spirit can influence us and make us more like Christ. And then after a while, others will be able to see it. They'll see a change in you, but it's only as we're obedient to the faith. If you'll notice there in Romans 1 and verse 5, Paul used that term. Romans 1 verse 5 again, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. Now I want to ask this question. What does it mean to be obedient to the faith? What does that mean? Well, we think of being obedient as somebody giving an order to do something, and then others going about to perform that of which they were told to do. They're being obedient uh, to the one that was over them, or, or whatever the case. And they're being obedient if they do it. That's the way the law of Moses was. Thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that, and and so on and so forth. And you had to do what the law of Moses said do. The law of Moses, here's the thing, the law of Moses told us what to do and what not to do. But the law of Moses didn't give us any power to do it. And I want you to think about what I've just said. The law of Moses tells us what to do and what not to do, but it didn't give us any power to do it. And as a result, no human being has ever been able to to keep the law of God. Uh, There was only one that was able to do it. But obedience to the faith. And any time Paul used that term, the faith, let's define what we're talking about here. When Paul used that term, the faith, every time, without exception, he was speaking of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for us at the cross. So how do we obey the faith? How do we obey Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross? We simply believe. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that door is open wide, for whosoever believeth, that's your key, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, maintaining our faith. In the finished work of Christ is how we're obedient to the faith. And as long as we do that, the Holy Spirit can work within our hearts and lives and make us into what we ought to be. And let me tell you, only the Holy Spirit can do within our hearts and lives that which needs to be done. We can't do it. If we set out to do things that only the Holy Spirit can do, we've allowed our faith to shift from Christ and what he has done for us to what we can do. And when we set out to do things ourselves, then we're being disobedient to the faith. Now, I ask the question, what does it mean to be obedient to the faith? I wonder how many people instantly came to their minds, well, I'm in church every time the church doors open, I read my Bible, I pray, and and the list goes on and on, and all of those are are good things. And, And a good Christian will most definitely do those things. But let me tell you, I know people that come to church, and they read their Bible and pray, but that don't necessarily mean that they're being obedient to the faith. Because there are some people, their, their faith is misplaced. My faith used to be misplaced. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I had to do certain things and, and stop doing other things. And my faith shifted from Christ and what he did for me at the cross to what I was doing or what I was not doing. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up. Um, in the doing of those things and and we're being disobedient to the faith and let me tell you when you're disobedient to the faith when you allow your faith to shift from Christ and what he's done to what we ourselves are trying to do we frustrate the grace of God let's look at it once again Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 Galatians 2 and verse 20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. How many of you can sit here tonight and say that you've been crucified with Christ? Have you? By faith you have. In, in, in the mind of God, the moment you accepted Christ as your Savior, the old man, the old you, was crucified with Him. At the same time, if you'll be honest, uh, if you let the Holy Spirit have his way, you're still being crucified. And Paul said, I die daily. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. It's not about me doing anything. It is Christ that liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh Notice what he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If there was ever a verse to put in your memory bank up there, it's Galatians 2 and 20, a very powerful verse of scripture. He tells us in this verse how we should live for God. He went on to say in verse 21 of Galatians 2, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you could do what needed to be done, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come into this world and and, and die on a cross for us. We can't do it. No human being's been able to do it. Let's move into chapter 3 because we want to look at some things there too. Galatians 3 verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Notice that word, obey. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia because there were some Jews that had come into the church and they were saying that Jesus had died on the cross. He was raised the third day. Uh, that It's great that you're believing in that, but you've also got to keep the law. You've got to, you know, the, the little boy babies have got to be circumcised. You've got to keep certain Sabbath days, and, and the list went on and on with that. And Paul is saying here, you've been bewitched. Because you're not obeying the truth. You're not being obedient to the faith. He went on to say, "...before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, this only would I learn of you." This is the message that Paul preached. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. He preached it so strong in that church at Galatia, it was almost as if, though, the people could see Christ crucified right before their very eyes. He said, this only would I learn of you, then he goes on and he asks the question there in verse two. He said, "Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith?" In other words, did you receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law, or was it by placing your faith in Christ and what He did at the cross? He he poses that question there. He went on in verse three and said, "Are you so foolish?" Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? What he's saying is this. Only the Holy Spirit can make you into what you ought to be. Only the Holy Spirit can mature you, because none of us are perfect. The moment you're perfect is when you'll be in the presence of God, (laughs) I mean, but as far as, I mean, what you need to do right now, I think it'll do you good if you look at the person beside you and say, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Okay, look right straight up here at me. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with all of us. I like to consider the church as being a spiritual hospital, you know, because all of us are spiritually sick, And we need to come to church and hear the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to work within our lives and make us better. Amen. So uh, uh, that's something we need to keep in mind. Uh, Only the Holy Spirit can mature us in Christ and see us through to the end. He said, you're foolish if you think you can do this thing on your own by a bunch of rules and regulations. He mentions there in verse 4, he asks the question, Have you suffered so many things in vain? Those in Galatia had suffered so many things, and uh, it's recorded in the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, We read where many of them were assaulted. Uh, Some of them were stoned because of their faith and testimony of Christ. And Paul is saying, hey, You know, you've suffered all these things in vain if you turn from Christ back to the law. And all that you've suffered was for nothing if you do this. And then he said there in uh, Galatians um, 3 and verse 4, if it be yet in vain. So with that, Paul had some hope that, Maybe it wasn't in vain. Maybe they would turn back to Christ. Maybe they would turn away from the direction that they were going and uh, that they would come back and obey the truth, which is simple faith in the gospel. He said there in verse 5, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. Paul is speaking of himself here when he... Uh, said that. Again, in the book of Acts, the 14th chapter, we read where he healed an impotent man who was uh, born that way from his mother's womb. He couldn't walk. And Paul had healed this man. Uh, now, of course, Paul didn't heal the man. It was the, the uh, gift of healing that was given to him by the Holy Spirit And he was obedient to the moving of the spirit that was in him. And this man was healed as a result of um, um, Paul being obedient to the Lord and whatever the case. And he goes on and he asks the question there in verse 5. He said, did I do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, what was I preaching at the time these miracles were done? What was he preaching? Well, according to verse 1, he was preaching the cross. And he said, this only, again, would I learn of you. Now, in verse 6 of Galatians chapter 3, Paul reaches back into the scripture, and he brings forth Abraham. And he said there in verse 6, even as Abraham believed God, there's your faith. Abraham believed God. It's all by faith. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Man's problem is not a race problem. Man's problem is a sin problem. All of mankind is bankrupt. Before God, as it pertains to righteousness and holiness, there is no righteousness here. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And even what righteousness that we think we have, uh, God looks at it as filthy rags, the Bible says. So, in our account, we are bankrupt as it pertains to righteousness and holiness. And the sad fact of the matter is, without righteousness and holiness, no man shall see God. Without righteousness and holiness, none of us have a fight and chance. But God gave to Abraham, placed into his spiritual bank account, if you will, God placed into Abraham's spiritual bank account his righteousness, the righteousness of God. That's the only righteousness that God will accept is his righteousness. God placed that righteousness in Abraham's account. Why? Abraham didn't do anything to do it. Uh, If you you think about it, uh, Abraham was before the law. He was many, 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 many years before Moses ever came on the scene. And Moses won't even thought about. The Ten Commandments had not been given. But God put righteousness in Abraham's account because he believed God. Again, it goes back to faith. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. No Ye therefore, verse 7. The word know is very strong. And Paul uses it to remind the Galatians that all who believe in God's promises are the true descendants of Abraham. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith The same are the children of Abraham. Just as Abraham was saved by faith, so are all who follow suit. Regardless of what their background is, no matter what their ethnic origin is, if they exhibit simple faith in Christ and what he did at the cross, God will do for them just like he did for Abraham. Verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. It was in the mind of God even way back then to save the whole world. Matter of fact, before the foundation of the world, God knew that he would create man. He knew that man would fall. He knew that man would need a redeemer. And before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was crucified. So this goes all the way back, even before Abraham. Um, Verse 9. Galatians 3, verse 9. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. All who believe in Christ and what he did at Calvary are blessed and saved, just as Abraham was. He goes on there in verse 10. And he says, for as many as are of the works of the law. This refers to those who are trying to be saved by keeping the law, or maybe they're trying to live for God by keeping certain laws. It doesn't necessarily have to be the law of Moses. Now, this was the problem back in the church at Galatia, but let's bring it up to today. There are a lot of people that are trying to live for God by laws, rules, and regulations that... Either their church makes up, their denomination make up, or it might be even some kind of ruling that they've made up themselves. If you try to live for God that way, you're going to fall under a curse. That's what he says there in verse 10. He said they are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You've got to keep the whole law, not just parts of it, never failing one time. If you do, if you fail in any way, you're cursed. Cursed. He goes on to say in verse 11, but but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident. No human being has ever kept the law of God perfectly. No one's ever done it. But Jesus Christ did. He's the only one that kept the law of God perfectly. And he didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it to show off. He did it for you and I. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And even after we're saved, if you'll be honest, we have a hard time doing it, even with the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Um, living for God is not easy. The latter half of verse 11, Galatians three, verse 11, the just shall live by faith. Notice that that's how you live for God. It's faith. It's not doing or not doing. It's all by faith. Faith in Christ and what he done for us at the cross. That's what gets you saved. It's that same faith that keeps you saved. All right. He said in verse 12, the law is not of faith. Goes back to what I said earlier. The law told us what to do. And what not to do. But the law did not give us any power to do it. See. The law is not of faith. If you're trying to be saved. And you're trying to live for God by keeping the law. You're being disobedient to the faith. He said the man that doeth them shall live in them. There's only two places that we can be. You're under one category or the other. You're under law or you're under faith, one or the other. There's no in-between. You're either living for God by law-keeping or you're doing it by faith. And the end result of faith is the grace of God. And without the grace of God, there ain't none of us going to make it. The end result of law is the curse and all mankind is under the curse of the law and that curse is death because the wages of sin is death. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. The word redeemed means to buy out of slavery by paying a price. Jesus paid that price when he died on the cross. He was made a curse. That was his whole reason for being born into this world, was to die for the sins of mankind. And he paid the ultimate price, which was the cross. For it is written, if you'll notice there in verse 13 again, For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Death by crucifixion was one of the most, it was the worst death that a person could undergo. It was the maximum penalty for the worst of crimes committed. In the 21st chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Crucifixion was the penalty for the worst of crimes. And that's why Jesus could not die any other way. He had to go to the cross. He had to pay the ultimate penalty for the worst of sins ever committed. Have you ever thought about it? Why wasn't Jesus burned at a stake? Why wasn't Jesus stoned or stabbed or... You know, wouldn't, wouldn't that have done, you know, the same thing? Jesus still could have died in a hundred and one Wonder Why a cross? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 21, crucifixion was the maximum penalty for the worst of crimes ever committed. And Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. He died and paid the price for the worst of sins ever committed. And he did it, if you'll look there in verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, keep that verse in mind, go back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 5, I want to compare those two verses. Romans 1, verse 5. By whom we have received grace, the effectual working power within, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Jesus just didn't die for the Jews. He died for the Gentiles, the whole world. He said, among all nations. And in verse 6, he said, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. The Roman church was full of Gentiles. It was made up mainly of, of Gentiles. And just because they were Gentiles, that didn't matter. They were called of Jesus Christ to be saved just like the Jews were, because Jesus came to die for everybody.